Welcome to the Sandy Springs United Methodist Church Podcast, where we bring you weekly sermons that uplift your soul, strengthen your spirit, and praise the Lord. Whatever your reason for listening, we're grateful for you spending your time with us. May God open your heart to love and your ears to hear. Please remain standing for the reading of the gospel. I'll be reading from John 18, 33 through 37. Then Pilate entered the headquarters again, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you ask this on your own, or did others tell you about me? Pilate replied, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests have handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not from this world. If my kingdom were from this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. Pilate asked him, So you are the king? Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this I was born, and for this I came into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. There's a story about the great jazz trumpeter, Wynton Marsalis, who was on the top bill one night at a famous club in New York City. He was playing a song called, I Don't Stand a Ghost of a Chance with You. And he reached a dramatic moment at the song, the penultimate moment, the very last thing before he concludes the song. And at that moment, someone's cell phone went off in the auditorium. And there was this pause, because who dared interrupt the great Runton Marsalis with a cell phone? And after a moment of anxious tension, the embarrassed caller scuttled out into the lobby, and Marsalis began to play, not where he left off, but where the cell phone ring left off. And in a few moments arrived back at the end of the song, singing the closing bars, or excuse me, playing the closing bars with you. And the arrested, insulted, and assaulted Jesus stands before Pontius Pilate on the first Good Friday morning, and Pilate asks the question, are you the king of the Jews? And that moment of tension when the cell phone goes off in the middle of the jazz musician's performance, everything becomes quiet and hushed. And you wonder what's going to happen next. What is Jesus going to say? What is Jesus going to do? And what we find Jesus does is he does what Wynton Marsalis does. He weaves this rude interruption into a much larger performance to emphasize not this one moment of distraction, but to emphasize the whole mission and ministry of Christ's rule on earth. My kingdom is not from this world. Pilate asks, are you king of the Jews? And Jesus doesn't say no, but he doesn't say yes. He says, you have no idea. It's a very cryptic answer. It's a very hidden answer. So it may not be surprising that over the centuries, the church, not understanding the fullness always, has tried to fit Jesus' response into uh, a more simpler agenda. And the first one that we try to simplify Jesus' response with is the idea 
that Jesus isn't really king of this world, he's king of the next world. He's not king of the physical, he's king of the spiritual. He's not king of the earth, he's king of heaven. And in this view, it's not very helpful because Jesus is too darn heavenly to be any earthly use. We know Jesus is looking after our long-term interests, but it tells us nothing about the here and the now, the present reality that we all face. There's a harsh way to describe this spiritual approach, and it's called practical atheism. It's practical atheism because while it's confident in Christ's eternal promises, it's hard to point to anything concrete that makes a difference when we say that Christ is king of the here and now. And what happens when we take this to its logical conclusion is that Christianity ends up being the icing on a cake that's really about pragmatism or politics or personal agendas. The second way that the church has tried to understand Jesus' response, my kingdom is not of this world, is to say that Jesus is king of heaven and he's taking over the earth too and so we'll get to take over on Jesus' behalf. We'll do the work for Jesus so Jesus doesn't have to, which doesn't really allow us to live into the reality when we say Jesus is king because the king's power should stand on its own. The trouble with this is it makes us the king. And the trouble proceeds because it really doesn't mean that Jesus says my kingdom is from this world. When we make Jesus' rule about our rule or our desire to rule, then there's not much room for the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control when we are the ones thinking that we have to solve King Jesus' problems. And so as we think about what it means to celebrate Christ as our king, we can't let ourselves over-spiritualize what Jesus says, and we can't take to heart too much what Jesus is saying when he says, my kingdom is not of this world. Because when we spiritualize Jesus, what we're saying is nothing really matters. And when we make Jesus the triumphant king, then we find that it's really about making ourselves king. If Christ is king, then Christ is king of everything that matters, and we are not. And Pontius Pilate knows nothing of what it means for Christ to be king, because he fears the triumphant king who will make trouble for him. And it's easy to see why Pilate would execute such a person. He has this vague sense, too, of the spiritual Jesus who's too heavenly-minded to be any earthly use. And maybe that's why Pilate finds it necessary to execute him. But the problem is, the trouble is that we understand Pilate's kingdom better than we understand Christ's kingdom sometimes. Because we're captivated by the world of Pilate and all that Pilate offers us. That it's not that we try Christianity and find it wanting, it's that we never really follow the fullness of Christ is King. I mean, just imagine for a moment how different 
our lives might be if we really lived as if Christ was king, or at least if we lived differently from Pilate's kingdom to Christ's kingdom. Pilate's kingdom says, life's too short, and I've caught myself saying this, life's too short to worry, especially over the Thanksgiving holidays about that third piece of pie. Life's too short to worry about tears over a missed rest stop or a messy diaper or a sick child. Life's too short to worry, but when we say life's too short, it's really saying that we're too busy, we're too efficient, we don't have time for others. But if Christ is king, then life is long enough for the things that matter. Not for that extra piece of pie, but for the people around the table. Not for the tears as you're driving down the road, but for the tears that are coming from the person next to you. Life is too short to visit every destination, every bucket list. Life's too short to study and learn everything but life's not too short to follow Christ. Are we living our lives in such a hurry that life too short becomes an excuse? Are we trying to squeeze in just a few more people, a few more experiences, that extra piece of pie? Are we living breathlessly, trying to do too much because life's too short? Then hear the good news. Christ is king over time and eternity. Christ reigns over life on earth and life eternal. Christ made time and Christ will redeem time. And in Christ's kingdom, there's always time for that which matters. Pilate's kingdom says life's unfair. And as a six-year-old, as a 16-year-old, as a 26-year-old, as a 36-year-old, life's unfair words that come out of my mouth. Certainly not yours, but Pilate's kingdom says life's unfair. And these words of despair and resignation are what we say when we're faced with injustice that we do not know how to overcome. Life's not fair, and we can't save everyone. But if Christ is king, then justice will roll down like mighty waters and righteousness like an ever-falling stream. Because when we see oppression and injustice, the kingdom of this world says, go and fix it. But when Christ sees oppression and injustice, he's setting things straight from the heart, from the inside out, so that when we say vengeance is mine, it is really Christ who says vengeance is mine, not yours, I will repay. That's what it means when Christ is king. The judgment day that we long for is not ours to claim, but ours to receive. And if you long for a just and a free world, then you long for Christ's kingdom. Any justice we make for ourselves is provisional. It's not a solution. We can never know all the facts. We can never set everything straight. We can never undo the past, and we can never restore ourselves. And if you're lapsing into cynicism and despair, hear the good news. Christ is king because he brings justice that we can never find, shows a mercy that we can only dream of. Christ is king. 
Pilate's kingdom says responsibility is the payback you make for privilege. If you have advantages in life, you take on what used to be called a noble obligation. You will live and give in a way that makes yourself seem as selfless as possible. So if you have been given much, then you have much to give. But if Christ is king, the world is not run by our privilege or our sense of duty or our sense of obligation. Our job isn't to be responsible. Our job is to be faithful. Being faithful means living a life that makes others wonder where we get this notion of freedom, this joy, this carefree way of being, this peace that passes understanding. Because we teach our children that they need to be ready to run the world one day. But the good news is that Christ is already running the world. Christ has been in charge for a good while now, and our job is to live like Christ, that witnesses to our faith, that affirms that the world is not made by us, but made by God. If Christ rules by being born into a homeless family in a dirty manger, becoming a refugee, living a life of obscurity except for a story when he's 12 years old, spending his time with fishermen and carpenters and lepers and sinners and being executed alongside thieves and rebels, it doesn't get much worse than that. But Christ is king. Pilate's kingdom says choice is everything. The definitive identity of the kingdom of today's world is to be a consumer. And there were choices this weekend as I was scrolling through the sales on Black Friday on my phone, on the Walmart app, on the Amazon app, on all the apps to see what I didn't need or want. But there were choices. We want a new shirt. We can have it in cotton. We can have it in poly cotton. We can have it in linen. We can have it in silk. We can take it to the dry cleaners, we can get it fixed, and we think that we have the choice. But when we shop, when we choose, it's not just about wearing, it's about choosing. And choice is just another word for power. And when we think that we have the choice, we think we have control, we think we have the power, and this society that we live in, this consumerist society, is like a drug that fills our minds as I can sit and scroll through Amazon and think that I have the choice of so much at my fingertips that it makes me feel like I have power until I put it in my cart and go to pay for it and realize that there are consequences. The think... The thing about having the power of choice is that it is not our choice that we are reflecting. The power of choice comes from a God who already chooses us, that chose us, and will choose us again even when we fail. Because if Christ is our king, we give up that power to choose because we have chosen Christ and Christ has chosen us. When we follow Christ, it's not about keeping our options open because God's options aren't open. He has chosen us. He has committed 
to us. And if Christ is our king, then our options are not open either. And we have chosen him. Pilate's kingdom says, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you will die. And this is the issue, I think, underlying this life and death scenario that Christ is facing when he confronts Pilate. Because the real issue is death. Because death seems to finalize everything, to demolish everything, to destroy everything about life. And in the face of death, Pilate's kingdom invents compelling words. Like hurry up, responsibility, and choice that offer us a distraction from the reality of death, but these words do not control us if we live in Christ's kingdom. Because as we see, there will come a day where he will wipe every tear from their eye and death will have no dominion. It does not diminish this present age or this present pain, but in God's kingdom, death has no reign So why do we try to fill or operate against it using the tactics and measures of a kingdom that we do not follow? Because in Christ, death is not the end, but the beginning. And if Christ is king, then we do not need to manage or distract ourselves from it because our life is in Christ's hands and they are the safest hands we will ever know. And that's how Christ is king. That's how Christ comes to us in the interruptions of the moment, in the cell phone calls of the moment. When we come to Christ and ask Christ, where is your kingdom? Our cell phones are going off in the midst of a great performance and we are silent. And everyone holds their breath to see how God will respond. And Jesus takes the question, he takes the melody and weaves it into a song, into a story, into a piece of art bigger than ourselves. And when he gets to the very end, he offers his life and says, I love you. That is what it means to be citizens of the kingdom of Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Pilate's kingdom says there's not enough time. The choice is yours. Live and eat and drink and be merry, for tomorrow we die. But Christ's kingdom says death has no dominion. There will be a time where every tear will be wiped from your eye. You are my beloved, and I am yours. Go and live into Christ's kingdom in a world full of hope, joy, justice, and peace, and go with this blessing. May the peace of Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you through the wilderness, protect you through the storm. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our arms. May the love of God, the peace of Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sandy Springs United Methodist Church podcast. We hope that you have found our podcast helpful and hope to be in ministry not only to you, but with you. For more information about Sandy Springs United Methodist Church, please visit www.ssumc.org. Until next time, may God bless you.